Well, look, I think, I mean, we're in opposition for the next three and a half years, Freddie, but um, I can say to everybody that if we had that appetite last time, I'm sure we would be able to revisit that in a similar vein come 2026. But we can also be useful advocates uh, in the meantime. And look, I think... You know, to take the politics out of it, I think everybody realises that, you know, initiatives like SIN and, and other opportunities for people to develop skills in the media is really important and we need it. I mean, we've got, you know, a, a democracy that needs constant work and commitment and the media is part of that. Now, for people like myself, we don't always like what's reported, <laughs> particularly when you're an opposition leader, you don't always like what's reported, but that's not a complaint. Uh, the reality is we need a strong and robust media and having young people like yourselves getting the opportunities like this to hone your skills and, and be good broadcasters or journalists or columnists or whatever it's going to be. Media is very diverse, as you know, lots of different roles. So we need people to be coming through. So long answer to your question, Freddie, I mean, I think uh, we would be very keen to sort of revisit that in the same way. So what I'm hearing supporting. is you're going to donate to syn.org.au slash donate. Look, I'm quite happy to donate a kidney, but I think that might be a bit troubling. Uh, we will be we will be more than open to a discussion about doing I'm just, I'm avoiding fixed no, commitments, course. but um, <laughs> you can see from what I'm saying that uh, yeah, we had that commitment last time, so I'm sure we'd be able to revisit it. That's fantastic. Absolutely. So moving on to some recent events. Sure. It's been a big week, as we were just saying off air. Massive week. Um, we've had a rise in interest rates today. Um... If, obviously, the Liberal Party is not in power, but if you were, what would you do to help Victorians in this time of crisis and what should Labor be doing? Yeah, so, look, there's a lot of parts to this question, Bridie. I think the first thing is... In looking at the budget, and it's hard to answer this question. I apologise, listeners, without getting into some of the weeds here, but infrastructure projects are really good. We need them. But you also need to understand... We also need to understand that, you know, infrastructure projects come with commitments that come with an opportunity cost. So if you're going to build a big major project, take a suburban rail loop, which is massive in terms of infrastructure costs, uh, it could be as high as $200 billion. Even if you love the project, you have to accept that that means that's $200 billion, a lot of money that's not available for schools, hospitals, uh, assisting local governments to develop new lots for housing that will give young families a chance to buy uh, a home or a property that they might want to live in at some point. So the first thing I'd say about getting the budget under control, because the key to cost of living and easing that for people is trying to make sure that at least government can manage its books well enough so it's not putting extra costs on. So um, getting that under control is really important. Uh, The second thing is, you know, I'm someone who comes to politics uh, with a real commitment and understanding that you need integrity and you need a commitment to the principles that deliver good government. So scrutiny, transparency, actually important. And I've you know, had, had a great opportunity in my career to work in different parts of government. And when you don't have scrutiny, when you don't have what we call contestability, where you've got different parts of government checks and balances coming into play, you get bad decisions that cost and that have to get paid for. So what I'm really saying in a, in a kind of a very lengthy way is that if we can rein in some of those things, then that gives government a better opportunity to address some of the shortfalls, whether it's in hospital waiting lists, ambulance response times. You know, access to education is a big problem. There's equity issues all across the state of Victoria. I think there are a lot of a lot of access issues for people living in the regions and even the growth corridors. Uh, my parents lived in Cranbourne up until recently. They've moved in closer to town to, into retirement. But, you know, when, when I was going out there, I was conscious that the, they had no access to public transport other than a bus. So buses are good, but it's not like I have where I live in Campbell. 
So getting a lot of those things under control, which then frees up capability and capacity to offer relief from cost of living pressures. And that's, you know, it all sort of fits within this ecosystem. Cool. We love the cosy live, don't we? <laughs> <laughs> One person who I hope will not be struggling with the cosy live is Ryan Smith, because he quit Parliament this week without even warning you, apparently. What do you think this says about the confidence in you from your party? Look, I think people, when they leave, Freddie, can determine the manner of their departure. And I, I, I would say that Ryan's perfectly entitled to handle that the way he wants. I respect that. And I, you know, he's been a member for, of Parliament since 2006. Uh, he's held the seat in good times and bad. You know, uh, he's got an opportunity now to start the next chapter of his life. And, you know, politics isn't the predictable thing that people think it is. Uh, you know, luck, events circumstances change all the time so for people in politics things pop up and change people's minds and I'm sure that when he stood for election he was intending to serve out the, the four year term as everyone but there'll be other people I'm sure in the next four years who say look I'm really not wanting to stick around I'd rather go and that just that happens and I think across the political spectrum there's an acceptance that people make decisions for a whole range of reasons and you kind of respect that so I don't have an issue with any of that at all I wish him really well yeah, I think that's quite a reasonable way to think, especially yeah. considering all the resignations that we've seen recently. Jacinda Ardern, Mark McGowan. There was one more we were talking about last week, but I've forgotten who it was. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, you get the right, gist. Yeah. Oh, Mark McGowan, I think you might be talking in yeah. WA. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, my exam brain is um, occupied. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we heard this morning from our, our resident reporter slash press conference goer, Lachlan, um, Lifeline launched a new call centre in Western Melbourne this morning, responding to a surge in demand from locals, um, which we'll hear more about in his package later. What do you think the Labor government should do to ease the burden on Lifeline? Yeah, look, I think... Uh, can I deal with mental health? I wasn't at that press conference, so I don't know exactly yeah. the specifics of that, but I think the question of mental health is, is one I'm really happy to talk about because, you know, in recent times, not just because of COVID, but COVID's shone a light on it as well, uh, but also, I think community attitudes are changing to the point where, thankfully and finally, people are more willing and comfortable going and seeking help and raising issues around their mental health and understanding that we all have those challenges. Uh, we might not realise it, but we're all, we all face stresses of one sort or another. It might be pressures in job, might be pressures in relationships. It might be the pressures that come from a, a dependency uh, that you know leads people into uh, you know that place of addiction. So. Access to mental health services is a huge problem in Victoria, as it probably is in other states as well, but certainly is in Victoria. Uh, and the waiting list for people to access, whether it's a, a bed for more acute cases of mental health need, or even just those early stages where some prevention uh, and early clinical assistance can actually keep someone out of the health system because you can keep them um, uh, on a pathway to recovery. Uh, so those issues, I, I can tell you, uh, are constantly raised in the parliament. And you'll get MPs raising issues of access in their own communities uh, for mental health, whether it's just initial counselling, ongoing psychological and psychiatric access as well for more clinically difficult cases, and then in those really acute cases, access to bed. So whilst I, I wasn't a, um, at the Lifeline um, announcement today, I think it's a good thing that they're announcing an expansion in services, but it's an ongoing challenge. And I you know, I think when community attitudes change in the sense that we're now more amenable as a community to talk about mental health, 
one of the challenges that comes with that in the early stages is you get a big spike uh, and that that need has to be met. Okay, interesting. Yeah, so Naya has a series of questions now. This is where it gets <laughs> tough for you, John. Yeah. Get ready. <laughs> that, that, that just puts pressure on the question. That's all right. I'm here to answer any questions you like. Thank you. Um, the Australian Liberal Party's website promotes the values of, quote, freedom of thought, worship, speech and association, end quote. How does the expulsion of MP Moira Deeming align with this belief or do your values differ from the Federal Party? No, no, I, I believe in those values, Naya, and whilst I won't trouble all of you and all of our listeners with the, the granular details of what went on, what prompted the action in a general sense was more an issue about teamwork and, and working as a team and the discipline that you need as an opposition or a government to be able to function effectively. So, look, we've lost three elections in a row and I don't intend to lose any more. So, in order to win, and I'm, I'm not alone in having uh, entertaining that sentiment, we all should want that for, for certainly my party. I'm sure people in other parties feel the same way about their own fortunes. To do that, you've got to operate as a team and... I'm comfortable with diversity of views so long as it, it sits within the realm of what is, you know, in keeping with community attitudes. Now, I think there's a range of different views around some of the issues that more... And that, that's fine. There's a debate. In public policy, there should be respectful, courteous debate. What prompted that action actually was, was very much around uh, being prepared to be aware of how things you do affect the whole team uh, and I'm trying to be very general in these in these comments because matters ongoing uh, as you may have read in the press but nothing I've done and I, I stand by everything I've done but I also want to emphasize that nothing I've done is in any way inconsistent with that I, I believe in freedom of speech even to the point where you know you have to work with people who might not share the same views as you on a particular issue. For me, it's very much about, uh, and I, this is a more general point, beyond the question of the recent expulsion, is that as long as public discourse in the public square is an inviting place where people can feel free to enter it, so long as they come in with goodwill. And that's that's not just, they're not just buzzwords you know, come with goodwill. It means that you enter the public square and you participate in public discourse uh, in a way which respects the humanity of your interlocutors, who you're talking to and engaging with, even if you disagree, and that nothing you do, and again, this isn't related to the specifics of this, but nothing that you do dehumanises others, uh, but respects and upholds their basic humanity, even if you disagree with them. So I, I, I'm firmly of the view that, that I was living out those principles. Uh, and... Look, as a Liberal leader, in 2023, my firm view is that the Liberal Party needs and should be, and will be under me, an inclusive party and welcoming party that understands that people have all sorts of different circumstances that they bring to bear in their lives. There are some historical things, there are personal things, there are characteristics. We live in a very diverse community. And what I'm trying to establish through this process, which I can't control completely, I wish I could, what I'm trying to demonstrate through this process is that the liberal values I believe in, which is the fundamental uh, and benign influence of enterprise, whether it's in business, arts, culture, whatever it might be, uh, that that is, a, that is a driving force for human progress. 
the enterprising spirit. Sometimes we do that individually, sometimes we do it collectively, sometimes we do it collaboratively in smaller groups. But it's a driving force of human progress, enlightenment, knowledge, discovery. All the things that we want in health, education, science, technology. That is a, that is a universal view. That is a timeless view for me. So, it should appeal, if I'm doing my job, as much to you and our listeners as to anyone else. No matter who you are, who you love, how you identify. Because that value I'm talking about, the value, that's just one, right? There are others that I can talk about that define me and characterize me as a liberal. For example, rule of war. But let's just stick with enterprise because that's an easy one. Or an easy one. Uh, that should appeal. So when I, when I say to people, well, the Labor government under, under Mr Andrews, they hold 56 seats in the 88-seat Legislative Assembly. Now, to hold 56 seats, by definition, you have to hold seats in the city or inner suburbs, outer suburbs, regional areas, rural areas, growth areas, growth corridors. You're representing a lot of Victoria, but not only are you representing a lot of Victoria, you are representing a very diverse cross-section of Victoria. And I say to my party colleagues, both parliamentary and organisational, the members of the Liberal Party, I say to them, in order to succeed and to be a voice for everyone we want to be a voice, which is to be a voice for people whether they vote for us or not, we need to accept and we need to embrace, not just accept, the idea that our values can appeal to everyone no matter what their attributes or background, if you know what I'm saying. So all of this is about that. Yeah. Uh, in that, that vein, you've said uh, it's important to consider, quote, how we go about pursuing the issues we're passionate about, end quote. Um, what's the right way, or is there a right way, for an MP to express their views and remain in your party? Look, yeah, the, the issue about how you go about it is very much for me, what I was saying before, at the, you know, to sort of go back to that is debate particularly from people in elected office must be as I said respectful and courteous and it can be robust in my view but it can't dehumanize in my view and it shouldn't either vilify or incite and I make this as a general point across politics not just in Australia but globally a lot of discourse that we see does just that it either dehumanises, alienates, vilifies, um, disparages, denigrates in a way which often go... Well, some of those, by definition, transgress, but uh, some of those other ones where it might be disparaging or denigrating goes to the, goes to the lengths of verging on incitement or uh, violence itself. So if... Um, as somebody recently put, you know, someone recently put, if I memory serves on, on Facebook, that they would, you know, they'd come at me or they'd get someone to come at me with a machete. Now, I'm not going to do anything about it because, you know, but is that... Now, I'm not alone. I'm not pretending I'm unique. MPs get that all the time. Right? I'm making the, more, more the point that that kind of behaviour is unacceptable. Now, I, I simply don't have the bandwidth to go chasing that. I'm not going to... You know, I've got more immediate things I need to focus on, which is the budget and and what we say about the budget and, and, and those important things. But my, my point in answer to your question, Naya, is that uh, we all have to take responsibility for making sure that 
what we say and do, so our words and our actions don't yeah, incite and don't demean to that point uh, where um, we're not upholding the virtues of our democracy, which is to, which really should be about opportunity for all human, you know, understanding and respecting everybody's humanity. Changing lands slightly. Um, how is your relationship with Peter Dutton? In April, he said he'd come to Melbourne to quote sort this out. Uh, sort this mess out, sorry. Uh, can we expect him to visit soon, or have you secured his confidence? Well, I'd, I'd like to think that we both... Uh, I've certainly had nothing but very pleasant exchanges and discussions with Peter, uh, and I would like to think that's mutual. And look, a lot of what's reported doesn't quite uh, hit the mark in terms of these things, and I, I will be more than happy to, to campaign and work with Peter. Um, you know, we've got big jobs to do. We've lost the federal election. We've lost the state election. We don't hold any government on the mainland. And I think we both understand that the task before us is momentous. But I'm confident we can get there. That, that, that's, a, that's a nice Optimism. note. Optimism. Optimistic. We love Absolutely. that. Absolutely. Just like we're optimistic at reaching our goal. slash <laughs> donate. Um, but with what you said, I guess, with uh, not holding like a government on the mainland at all, uh, there is sort of a lot of... The Liberal, there's been a lot going on in the Liberal land uh, across the country, even in Tasmania where there is the government. Um, how do you find that uh, sort of the occurrences in other Liberal branches or the Federal Liberals, how does that sort of impact how people view the Victorian Liberals? Mm. Yeah, look, we, we don't uh, operate in a vacuum. So what happens... Uh, federally in particular does impact on us and, and they would argue the same the federal libs would argue that what happens at state can affect federal i don't think it works as as neatly as that but there, there are if you like reciprocal currents that that flow in either direction uh, look i think in in the past uh you know we've suffered i think you know electoral costs from some of the things that in the past have been done at a federal level uh, but but to be fair if you lose an election, you have to look at yourself and what you could have done to win it uh, and, and earn the people's trust and confidence. So I guess what I'm saying, Fred, is that, yeah, look, we can't operate in unison on everything and there'll be there'll be times when we have different views uh, and, and that's sort of self-evident. But you've just got to, like anything really, you've just got to try and manage the relationship in a professional way, understanding that you're not going to land in the same place all, you know, all the time, but you've just got to try and manage it, at least talk a lot. I find in politics uh, that... Once that uh, that regularity of communication abates, that 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 becomes a recipe for misunderstanding and disunity overall. Absolutely. Yeah. And, um, I mean, going right off what you just said, I feel like you're probably going to predict what I'm about to say. But, <laughs> no, um... no. I thought we were going to talk about folks, come on, donate. <laughs> These guys are going to have to bus busk on the street if you don't. You know, uh, so. well, lucky we've got a musician in our ranks. <laughs> um, no, I'm going to ask, are you Boil going it. to follow what the Federal Liberal Party is doing with The Voice? Are you going to say, we're voting no? What's your final position? Uh, so, as a, as, a, yeah, as a parliamentary party Brady, we've taken the position that it's non-binding people are free to reach their own conclusions and look yeah there are there are legitimate debates for and against in my view to be completely candid with our listeners yes you can make compelling cases for it you can make compelling cases against it uh, for my part uh, i've said on a number of occasions now that look i'll, I'll make my position known uh, but but equally We've got such a big job as a state opposition that I'm trying just to make sure that 
uh, what I'm saying publicly is dealing with things that at a state level are more immediate. So and I'm not saying um, this is part of the answer rather than to shift the discussion is more that you know, I've got to, I've really got to be talking about the budget measures such as the you know the jobs tax, schools tax and, and the rent tax and other things. So I'm trying to keep our focus on those issues. The, the voice is an important, very important national discussion. But it is that. It is a national discussion and I'm very comfortable with my parliamentary colleagues and I having a non-binding position. And that was, you know, that was the case in the Republic debate uh, under John Howard back in 99. So we see our position as being consistent with that. Yeah. Well, going back in time a little bit, maybe not quite so far, but you only just kind of returned to Parliament last year after losing your seat in 2018. What was it like contesting that very closely fought seat and how was it to be out of Parliament and then kind of have to adjust to going back in? Yeah, no, it's a really good question, Brian, in this sense that... I hate saying that, actually, really good question, because you're, you're not going to ask anything <laughs> but a really good question. We got an ego. But I, I, I guess yeah. I was saying I like the question because it gives me a chance to, to actually talk about something that, might be of interest at, at this stage of your lives, uh, not just for you, you three, but uh, for uh, people listening as well. You know, it took me five goes before I was elected in 2014. Politics was always what I wanted to do from my teenage years. And I had tried and failed many times. So, well, fours a lot, right? So it took me 20 years from the first time I ran to when I was finally successful in entering parliament so five goes and that was 2014 and it'd been everything I, I i had sublimated so many things in life to this goal and and got there in the end in 2014 so when i lost in 2018 and the reason i give you that background is when i lost in 2018 some of you may recall on um on uh live national tv uh look it was very look as anyone will tell you um leaving politics involuntarily is is not a enjoyable experience you you really feel it but because of the road i'd had to travel to get there as painful as it was and sure the next day i'm, I'm standing in my study thinking what what do i do now i mean you know, uh i i had learnt from hard experience that time does heal things all things and so i kind of knew in the back of my mind that i will fight another day but for now, I'll bleed a while and I'll heal and I'll reflect on what I could have done better. I'm going to learn. I'm going to rebuild brick by brick. I'm going to rebuild this this um, aspiration. And that's, in fact, what I did. So after I lost in 2018 and, you know, I had a bit of time to, to rest over the Christmas New Year period, you know, I started writing a column for the Age newspaper. I started eventually doing regular radio. Uh, started off on AW, 3AW, and then moved to ABC, where I got a, a weekly spot on what was called the party line with Virginia Trioli and Bronwyn Pike, a former Labor minister. I did that. I did um, various TV shows and, and the drum, I think I did once a week. Oh, no, sorry, once a week, once a month. Uh, and various other bits and pieces. I, was, I got a, a, an honorary position at the School of Government at Melbourne University, which is my alma mater, and I did, did a, a bit of writing and, and some uh, Q&As there, which I, I, I love doing. But it was, a, I guess what I was saying, that those which I look back on as the wilderness years, <laughs> you know, where you go through and you've been bumped way off course. It's kind of a bit of an odyssey, and you go through these highs and lows of, oh, okay, can I make it back, can't I? But as I said, I'd had to fight for everything previously, 
and I just kind of knew from experience and I'm just saying this so you can if ever, I hope all of you have success in whatever you do the first time you go you get your chance to try it but just don't despair if it doesn't happen and just keep going and as long as the fire is still there and the passion's still there because for me you know having lost in 2018 I, I looked at 2022 and I just knew that as hard as the campaign was and as uncertain as it was defeat's not going to kill me I'm going to just try and if I lose I lose I've been there before but if I win wow that's a summit I'm prepared to take on the challenge of, of contesting so that's the kind of mindset I brought to it that you know, time heals and, and you learn from these things. I mean, I, I do think that processes like that are important for our own improvement and self-discovery. And, you know, I changed and grew out of that as much as I didn't want it to happen. I changed and grew out of that. And my whole style of communication changed and I think matured in a way that has made me better. Wow, that's very, like, inspiring. I feel like I'm motivated to change, like... All my <laughs> life habits now. Bridie is having an existential crisis now about what she wants to do. But I, it is such a testament to your character that you sort of come back after four losses and you come back better than ever, and now you're leader of the Liberal Party in Victoria, which I think is such a monumental achie achievement. And when you sort of came back and became the Liberal leader of Victoria, uh, you, you talked about how the party is in the middle of a bit of a reform process. Uh, so what have, your, have been your key points of reform and how have you found that process? Because it, that can get messy. Yeah, and, and reform's never easy. And there, there's always going to be a contingent in any organisational uh, outfit that's going to be resistant to change. But look, um, there's a whole lot of moving cogs there, but uh, the main moving parts of these, I think, I think in terms of our, to your point, Naya, before, the, the, the broader positioning of the party, I want it to coalesce more around those enduring... And universal values for me which are you know the 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 social good and individual good that comes from enterprise rule of law which come which is not just about equality before the law but it's about security security of knowing that if an injustice is visited on you whether from a private party or a government actor you can access courts of justice in a way which is accessible they're, they're, what I mean by that is that these are the broad enduring universal values that the party stands for I'm careful and determined to, to make sure that's forefront because then young, old, no matter what your ethnic or racial background, sexual preference, identity, anything, all of those things shouldn't matter so much if we are able to make those values the forefront rather than strong, hard positions on particular issues. Now, sometimes people want you to, to lead the party and say, well, we should stand for that. And I say, well, is that the value we're defending? We believe in free speech, of course, we believe in freedom of religion. So... Why aren't we more comfortable with people having different perspectives around a core philosophical principle? So that's the first part of the reform that we need. That I think we need to do: make sure the party's broad, appealing, and inclusive. But then, on the more operational matters, there's there's issues around how strong we are on the ground. I just don't think we have any kind of strength there in in parts of Melbourne and Victoria where we need to be stronger. So we've got to we've got to build the party up, and reforming that means attracting new members. To attract new members, we go back to that first point: do we appeal? And so to get people who are joining in Melbourne's western suburbs, northern suburbs, southeastern suburbs, where we need to win seats and be stronger. Uh, in rural and regional areas, we want more members to join. We've got to make sure the party can appeal. So as a leader, that's what I'm trying to do.